I have to know who makes your shirts because you wear some of the most outrageous shirts I've ever seen in my life. And I like a good shirt. You know, you like it or not. Uh, that's like that's like our political party. Uh, we don't try to please everybody. If you don't like what I'm seeing, please don't vote for us. It's the same thing with my shirt. You like it or not. Hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Launchpad. My name is J-Man. The gentleman that is across from me is a name that you're quite possibly familiar with. Uh, he is the leader of the PPC, Maxime Bernier. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Glad to have you here. Now, for those that don't know what PPC stands for, please allow them to understand a little bit more about your platform. And more importantly, what do you want people to feel when they hear PPC? Uh, first of all, the People's Party of Canada, I want people to understand that this party is uh, fighting for Canadian sovereignty and for Canadians first. And for us, that is not a slogan, that is the reality. And uh, we are um, a kind of a smart populist party in Canada and we are doing politics differently based on strong ideas and the four principles of our, the foundation of our party, our individual freedom, personal responsibility, respect and fairness, and all our policies are in line with these principles. So it's a new political party. We started that party in 2018 and we had our first election in 2019 and the second election, just the last one, uh, <clears throat> a couple of uh, days ago. Yeah. Now, I've watched other podcasts. I caught the Jordan Peterson one, and I was really interested in something that you said, that you were not interested in power, but you were interested in ideas. And obviously, when you said that, you were hoping that you would have some seats from the election. So I'm really curious how you feel about the election. Outside of not getting a seat, what would be the greatest disappointment? And then what would be the number one takeaway that you learned from this election? Yeah, first of all, uh, when I'm saying we are doing politics differently, because we're not uh, saying uh, actually what uh, people want to hear and doing a survey and polling before each election. The platform of this party, <coughs> sorry, the platform of this party uh, was the same one at the first election and the same one at our second election, and it will be the same one later. So what we are doing, it's a battle of ideas. And uh, we want people to understand that uh, we need to fight for what we believe if we want to have uh, real changes in our, this country. So that's the People's Party. And uh, when I said that, you know, our goal is not to be in government, uh, I hope I'll be in government, but our goal is to win the battle of ideas. And maybe, you know, we'll have uh, MPs, uh, candidates that will be elected and, and will be the official opposition, or maybe a day I'll be prime minister. But the most important, it's always to fight for what we believe in. And that election was a very important one for us. Yes, we, uh, I was not able to win back my seat in both. Uh, we didn't elect any candidates, but uh, we were able to grow the party from 1.6% of the vote to 5% of the vote from 300,000 people 
who voted for us in 2019 to 840,000 people who voted for us at this last election. So we more than uh, triple our votes and, and our support. And I'm very pleased with that. So <clears throat> what uh, to do next time, we need to be sure to uh, be able to elect me as the leader and some candidates. But what we did in three years, it's uh, better than the Green Party of Canada because it took 25 years for the Green Party of Canada to have more than 5% of the vote. And we did that in three years. So our goal is to grow and uh, speak about what we believe. And actually, I will be back in the campaign trail uh, next week. I'll be in Alberta. Uh, we, there's a Senate election over there at the same time at the, at the municipal election. And we have three PPC candidates for that election. So I will campaign with them. And uh, my goal is to build this party across the country and being sure to be ready for the next election that can happen in two years or three years. So I'm very pleased for us, you know, that's a, a victory. And now we, we are the only real opposition in Canada, because if you look at the Conservative Party of Canada, they have the same policies than the Liberals and the NDP. It's all leftist policies and more government intervention in your day-to-day -day life. So we are the only real alternative. And I believe that uh, we will be able to grow a little bit more at the next election. Right. Now, what do you think the biggest misunderstanding is about your party that maybe stopped somebody from casting a vote for you? Well, you know, you know the argument that the conservative said, the leader of the conservative party about uh, splitting the vote. So he said at the end of the campaign, a vote for the People's Party is a vote for the Liberals. Mm -hmm. That's not true. But I believe that was a little bit efficient. Uh, for us, you know, that's the opposite. I said to people, don't vote against something. Vote for something. Vote for what you believe. Vote for your values. And Aaron O'Toole and Justin Trudeau are the same. Read their policies. They're the same on imposing a carbon tax. They're the same on signing the Paris Accord. They're the same about not balancing the budget. They're the same about not to speak about the equalization formula in Canada that is unfair and we need to change that formula and be less generous. They're uh, the same on mass immigration. So, you know, a vote for the PPC is a vote for your values and is a vote for a real conservative party. So that argument, uh, you know, they, they were saying that in 2019 and they said it again in, in, at this election in 2021. And I believe that uh, we have more and more people that are coming on our side because they understand that having O'Toole or Trudeau, that would be the same for Canada. So we are the only real uh, change in this country. If you believe in free markets, in a smarter government in Ottawa, in a government that will respect provincial jurisdiction, we are the only one. So that, that uh, argument was uh, was out there during that campaign. But I believe that we were successful to explain our position to Canadians because we were able to triple our percentage of the vote and we'll do the same thing at the next election. Now, Maxime, I'm far from being a political analyst or anything of that nature. So just look at me as a regular voter. And I'm a little bit disappointed when I see what happens in the House of Commons. I'm listening to Justin Trudeau and the opposition and 
Justin Trudeau is answering the question the same way 10 times and the questions being asked the same way 10 times. I mean, I'm just a guy on the outside looking in and I'm thinking, how does anything ever get done? What is broken in today's politics and how do we fix it? Well, what is broken is uh, these politicians are not doing politics by conviction and based on, on principles. Uh, they're doing politics by survey and, and pollings and focus group. Uh, so, you know, the conservative can ask a lot of questions during question period, but, uh, you know, in the end, uh, they have the same policies on a lot of issues, like I said. So, yes, uh, it, is, it is bad that we cannot be in parliament and, and ask real questions to Justin Trudeau and, and other uh, members of, of the parliament. But uh, like I said, we will do that battle uh, outside in the street with Canadians and uh, we, will, <clears throat> we will do uh, everything that we can do to uh, change the, the climate of the public opinion and being sure that more people understand that for a better country, we need a smarter government in Ottawa that will respect Canadians and taxpayers. So in Ottawa, because you have an unprincipled opposition, uh, <clears throat> there's not a lot of things that they can do. They don't have the courage to debate the real issues. So, you know, we are not there, but if we were there, we will use the parliamentary committee to ask questions about, for example, the vaccine passport and having witnesses that will, uh, that will um, have a different point of view of the uh, expert from the government. Uh, we will have a debate on the equalization formula in parliament and in the parliamentary committees. So the, the conservative don't want to do that because you know they share the same point of view of the than the liberals on these issues. Mm -hmm. So that's why you don't have real debates and you don't have a real opposition. Right. That's what had a lot of people gravitate towards you was your stance on freedom of choice and expression and things <laughs> of that nature. So moving on to COVID, obviously the mandates, uh, the potential looming firings, uh, it's bananas. I can't even believe that I'm living in this country right now. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people that disagree with the way that I feel. So I'm curious how you feel that a nurse is potentially going to be fired for their job, yet you can have a waiter that works in a restaurant. And why are we even having this conversation of potentially firing a nurse or a frontline worker when we're in the fourth wave of a pandemic? Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. And, and you know, the healthcare system in Canada is not that efficient. And now, uh, you know, healthcare... Uh, uh, workers, nurses, and doctors that uh, if they decide uh, to not uh, take the, the vaccine, uh, they won't be able to work anymore and give these uh, important services uh, to Canadians. So <clears throat> it's, all, it's a little bit crazy because the base of all that, it's not based on science. It is based on <clears throat> control and uh, government uh, intervention and, and government control. Actually, because, you know, if you look at the science and the data and the common sense, you know, everybody can spread the virus. Vaccinated people and unvaccinated people, we are the same. The only difference is a vaccinated person, uh, if, the, if that person uh, has COVID, uh, they will have milder symptoms, but they can have COVID and they can spread the virus. 
So why, uh, you know, a person who decided not to have the vaccine, why that person uh, is most uh, dangerous to another person? If you decided to take the vaccine, it's to protect yourself. It's not to protect others. Actually, if you took the flu vaccine every year, when uh, they're giving you that vaccine, they're not say, saying to you, you know, take the flu vaccine because like that you protect yourself and you'd be sure that other people would be protected and won't have the flu. No, when you take a vaccine, it's to protect yourself. That's it, that's it. And now, you know, I cannot go to a restaurant or, or, or Canadians, uh, civil servants at the federal level won't be able to work. They are not dangerous if they don't have the vaccine. You know, you must trust that vaccine and uh, you can work with a person near you that decided to have the vaccine or decided not to have the vaccine because we are in the same boat. Everybody can spread the virus and, and uh, that's discrimination, that's segregation. I was thinking about that during the election. And now for me as a politician, and my goal is to travel across the country to build our party and to meet Canadians, I won't be able to do that at the end of November because I decided not to have the vaccine and I won't be able to travel because Trudeau and O'Toole, they agree to uh, impose a vaccine passport for Canadian travelers. This is unfair, this is immoral, this is unconstitutional and I will fight against that um, <clears throat> up to the end. But uh, I don't recognize my country anymore also. But you cannot have that discussion in the mainstream media. They don't want to have this other point of view. And actually, it, it's, it, it's based on science and common sense. If you have the vaccine, you know, you must be protected. So you, why being scared to, uh, to have a dinner with a person that is not vaccinated um, at, at the next table? It, it's, it's, it's a nonsense. Right. So what mandate or mandates, if any, would you impose if you were in power? No mandate, nothing. You know, we believe in freedom, so we believe in freedom of choice. Everybody must be able to decide if they want to have that vaccine or not with the right information, uh, with an informed consent, and that's the most important. So, so we won't impose that. And what the, some experts said in the beginning of that pandemic, they said we must protect the older, the most vulnerable people, and we didn't do that. So these people must be protected and maybe stay at home. But you know, when you look at the data, now the, uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the, the virus um, is, is there and we need to learn to live with that virus like we did in the past with other viruses. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the first time in the history of the world that we use lockdowns to kill a virus. It is a failed experiment. And so what to, the way to deal with it is uh, you know, protect the elders and reopen the economy. And, uh, and, and that's it. Uh, we, we know how to fight that virus and there's some medication also that can be used to fight that virus, not only the vaccine. So we need to promote other alternative than the vaccine to, pro to protect Canadians. And there's a maybe a medical, a pharmaceutical treatment or, or natural uh, treatment, but we must do more research to be able to find uh, real other alternatives. And I know that in other countries, 
they are fighting COVID-19 with medication, not only with the, with the vaccine. Mm -hmm. So uh, our position is very clear on that. And we believe that Canadians are responsible. And for me personally, just to finish on that, you know, I decided I'm 58 years old and I decided not to take the vaccine because I look at the data and the statistic. And in Canada, a man, 58 years old, my chances of dying from COVID, if I have COVID, is only 0.5%. My survival rate is 99.5%. So I said, I don't have any comorbidities. So I said, no, I won't take it. And uh, I'm taking uh, the risk. And I believe that the, the, the risk is on my side. And so that's why I decided. But because of that, I'm not able to participate in the civil society right now. That's a discrimination, that's segregation. And, uh, and, and every political party at the federal level are pushing for more discrimination. And uh, that's why, you know, we had uh, good, a good election because we were the only one that, the only na uh, national political party that was fighting against that. Mm -hmm. And I believe that we have a bright future because people understand that we don't want to live in a kind of a communist country. Right. So we just want people to have the choice on whether or whether they not they want to be vaccinated. Pro-choice, do you? And I believe, in fact, your father is vaccinated. So it's not like anyone here is an anti-vaxxer. There's a lot of people that have had many vaccinations throughout their lifetime. And vaccinations are just, they're medical magic. It's amazing that we were able to create something as quickly as we did, but just for people to have the choice whether or not they want to do that without consequence. Absolutely, absolutely. And I must add, you know, personally, I, I had a lot of vaccine in my life. You know, I was foreign affairs minister for Canada. I travel across the world and, uh, you know, I had the, the traditional vaccine, but uh, I never took the flu vaccine and, um, and I decided not to take that one but everybody must be free and to decide what they want to do you know the feminist a couple of years ago they were saying you know oh my body my choice so i can do what i want on the abortion debate but uh, we must use the same argument my body my choice and nobody must impose to me uh, a medical treatment that i don't want right so you'd mentioned the vaccine passports and that seems to get a lot of people's blood boiling. And then again, on the opposite side, there's a lot of people that think it's keeping their workers safe, it's keeping their patrons safe. I, number one, just don't think that this should be something that is placed on the business owner to have to enforce. How can people battle back against these vaccine passports? You're saying they're unconstitutional. So what is a person's steps in regards to maintaining their job or maintaining their business that they want to take a stance against vaccine passports? Yes, absolutely. You have a point there. And, and you know, uh, people that, you know, the, the uh, people working in the private sector or in the public sector at the federal uh, government or provincial governments, uh, they must fight. You know, if um, uh, they must uh, go see their lawyer and fight against that, that's uh, unconstitutional. But also, I hope that the businesses won't be the police for the government. And I hope that some of them will open their door to vaccinated people or unvaccinated people. Actually, I think it happened a little bit in Alberta with a pizza over there that decided, you know, everybody's will come here. They can eat inside. They can uh, uh, have their, their dinner inside with the vaccine or not. And, and, you know, 
that's not the job of the business sector to be the police for the government. And I hope that you have more people that uh, will won't follow the, these rules because they're unconstitutional. The problem that we have, uh, uh, you know, we like uh, for me, for example, I was put in jail and cuffed and <clears throat> for a non-crime in Manitoba after a political gathering for 12 hours. And, you know, I'm fighting that. Uh, I was supposed to be in court in the court in June, after that in July, after that in August, and now they postponed that for the mid-November. So, so we need to have a decision uh, from, from the court that is uh, unconstitutional, but it's very difficult because the government always try to postpone that because they don't want to have a decision that won't be in their favor. And so, and also if it's a favorable decision for us, uh, freedom fighters, uh, the government will appeal the decision. So yes, we must have this battle in court, but it will take time. And I know that the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms uh, are, is doing that and for free with Canadians and they are fighting for their rights and freedoms. And they have a lot of uh, uh, actions right now in from the court in Ontario, in Manitoba, in, in Alberta. Uh, but that will take time. At the same time, my role as a politician is to change the public opinion. When you have about 80% of the population that agree with a vaccine passport for Canadian travelers, we need to change that because politicians will always follow the majority. They don't do politics by conviction. They don't try to say to that majority, it is immoral to do that. It is a discrimination. You must not do that. You must trust the vaccine. You add the vaccine. So your life is not in danger if you are sitting with a person that didn't have the vaccine just near you. But the more support we'll have, the better it will be for our society. And maybe these politicians that are looking at the polls, they're gonna, maybe if they have more people against it, they, their only job is to be elected. And uh, mm -hmm. that's why I'm doing that battle. And that's why I need to travel across the country and speak to Canadians and use all the platform that I can have to speak against that. And I want to thank you for giving me that opportunity with your viewers today. Right, now I have one more question in regards to this before we move on. And for the person that says that your views right now on this are reckless and it's putting people in danger, what do you say to them? I'm just saying to them, no. Look at the science. You're not at risk. If you have vaccine, you're not at risk. If you think that you're at risk, it's because you don't believe in the vaccine. So why taking the vaccine in the first place? You took the vaccine because you believe that this vaccine is efficient. And if it's efficient, so your life is not at risk and I'm not putting anybody in danger. You know, they want to impose a vaccine on kids right now. When kids, they are not at risk with COVID-19. Only 16 people under 20 years old died from COVID-19 since the beginning of that crisis and um, on 27,000 people. So, and the majority of these, these uh, younger people uh, had comorbidities. So kids are not at risk. They must not, and, and the parents must be able to decide if they will have the vaccine or not, not the government. Mm -hmm. But uh, they're saying, you know, they must have the vaccine because this kid will go see grandpa and grandma, and they can, they're gonna put their grandpa and grandma in danger. That's not true, that's propaganda. If grandpa and grandma 
some had the vaccine, they are protected. It must always be a decision, a parental decision. Okay. Thank you for answering that transparently. Thank you. Now, I would also like to move on to immigration, multiculturalism, and the indigenous. And the reason why I bring this up, again, just a regular guy. And if I hear what people are saying that might be along the negative side of things, there are people that are saying that you don't like immigrants or you're a racist, things of that nature. And it shows very clearly, I did my research on you as well, like on your platform, that number one, you're a very big supporter of indigenous. Uh, I think what happens is when people hear about you wanting to, I don't know if this is the right term, but abolishing the Multiculturalism Act. Um, so can you please explain to the listener what exactly that means? Because I think what they're hearing is like, we don't want multiculturalism here, more or less have any immigrants in the country. Yeah, so there, there's uh, three, uh, three kinds uh, of questions there. The first one is about First Nation. Uh, we are the only political party that has a, a strong platform for First Nation, and, uh, and uh, we want to build a new relationship with them. And the most important, we want to abolish the Indian Act. The Indian Act is a racist act. It is based on race, and we must abolish that. And, and building a new relationship uh, with more uh, kind of a property rights on reserve, and they must have more freedom and more autonomy. So now everything is coming from the top down, from Ottawa to uh, the First Nation. Uh, you know, they must be able to manage their future. And so we are ready to open that and to have a discussion with them. Concerning multiculturalism, we are against that, you're right. We are against the legislation on multiculturalism. So we recognize that this is a diverse country with people coming from different backgrounds, different uh, uh, origin. Uh, that's, that's our country and we are proud of that. What we don't like, we don't want the government to promote more and more and more diversity. Actually, I'll give you an example. The federal government is giving money uh, every year to uh, uh, Chinese community in Canada to celebrate the Chinese year. So the federal government must not be in the business to uh, give subsidy, subsidize uh, and grant to, uh, to a community like that to celebrate their, their origin. I'm not against that, but that's not the role of the government. The government must give money to celebrate our history, to celebrate our culture, to celebrate our country. So if they want to have a, a, a new uh, Chinese year, First of all, they can do that without the money coming from the government. So we want to stop to promote always more and more diversity. We recognize that this country is diverse and we want this country to be like that in 25 years. So that's why we want to abolish that and being sure that these community will be able to do what they want without government money. And the government money must be there to promote uh, Canada Day and our history and our culture. So that being said about immigration, I don't want to be like in some places in France when you have a no-go zone that you cannot do that and the law of the land uh, does not apply there. You know, uh, we don't want that. We, uh, now we have mass immigration in this country, 400,000 immigrants a year. And for us, we believe in sustainable immigration. You know, when you have 400,000 immigrants a year, 
And the big majority of them, 75% of them, are refugees or people coming under the reunification of family. We must have more skilled immigrants, economic immigrants. That's a person that will come here and that person will come here to have a job and it would be easier for that person to integrate our society, to be part of our society. And so we want that. We want to have fewer immigrants instead of a mass immigration of 400,000 a year, maybe a maximum of 150 a year. But the majority of them must be skilled immigrants because our immigration system must be based to fulfill our economic needs. And that must be the role of our immigration system. And it is not the case right now. We try to save the world and being Canadian is a privilege, not, not a right. And we cannot save everybody. Now Trudeau just changed the regulations and they will accept anybody that when they cross the border and they said, I'm a refugee. We must help the real refugees where their life is in danger in a camp somewhere in a country, not people who are crossing illegally our borders at the, at the Roxham Road in Quebec and, and coming with a Gucci and uh, crossing the border and saying I'm a refugee. No, sorry. For us, your life is not in danger when you're coming from the state of New York. So that being said, fewer immigrants, we must be able to have an interview with these people that are coming here to ask them if they share our Canadian values. What are uh, our Canadian values? You, everybody must be equal before the law, equality between men and women, freedom, tolerance, uh, re individual responsibility. So we must have a discussion with them. And actually, you know, that's not new. We had interview with our immigrants a couple of years ago, and now we don't do that anymore. So that's our position on immigration because we like this country and we know that this country is diverse, but we want to be sure to build and we want to be sure that these immigrants will be able to integrate our society. And it's easier to integrate our society if you have a job. Mm -hmm. Now, I heard you use the term man and woman, and that is a blurred line today. Um, obviously dealing with gender politics. And to be quite honest, I mean, I have uh, transgender in my family. I have worked with, I am not a prejudiced person, um, but it seems to be incredibly divisive at times. And it seems that we're very much all about creating labels. And sometimes these labels can be damaging. And I know that your party has a strong stance on, on gender politics. And so if you wouldn't mind sharing that as well. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right about that. You know, I believe there's a man and woman and I, we don't buy that political correctness. And I said a couple of years ago, I believe three years ago, that, you know, for me, that's the end of political correctness. And, uh, and but, I, you know, we respect everybody. If you're a transgender, okay for you, but don't force me to do something that I don't want to do as a Canadian. Uh, you know, if I want to call you uh, she or he, uh, you know, I must have the right to say that. And uh, you can do what you want with your body. That's your choice. That's what I said for the vaccine passport. So uh, I believe that uh, people must uh, have the right to do what they want. And, but for younger people, uh, you know, the parent must be able to decide if, uh, you know, a digital girl uh, wanted to be a, a guy, you know, that must be the decision from the parent and they must be able to have that discussion with their children. 
And, you know, I have, you know, I'm working with uh, one of my best friends uh, is uh, Martin Mars and he's a gay guy. So, you know, everybody uh, can be different and that's the beauty of the world. But uh, we believe that there's men and women and, uh, and yes, stranger, uh, stranger there exists, uh, but we respect everybody. So, but I don't play uh, that game that uh, it's more the kind of a pandering. Uh, we don't do that. We don't pander to any special interest group. Uh, when we are doing politics, we are doing politics for all Canadians. And for me, the color of your skin or, or, or if you say that you're a transgender or not, it's not important. We are judging Canadians by their values and, and their character. And like for our candidates, for example, example, during the last election, we selected them based on their competence and we don't care about, you know, if we have 50% women or not, that's not important for us. You believe in these ideas, you're ready to work for Canadians and put our country first, and um, you, you, you're able to be a candidate. We don't uh, do politics by quota. I don't, I don't believe in that. So that's very different than the, the other uh, politicians that try to please everybody and do politics by quota. And uh, no, for us, we don't do that. Wow. Well, I really appreciate the time that you've given me. I know I've kind of gone all the place with a whole bunch of different questions, but I want to make sure that I kind of hit the ones that I think the average individual would want to hear most. I know that you also have a great platform uh, in regards to environment. I know that you care very much about our veterans, which is very, very important. Uh, are there any parting words, something that is weighing on your heart that you'd like to share with someone that maybe they didn't get the opportunity to hear? Yeah, first, I want to thank you for giving me that opportunity. It's important. You know, I want to reach more people, and I appreciate that. And I hope we'll be able to do another uh, podcast like that in the near future. So that being said, if, uh, if people uh, want to know a little bit more about our party, they can go on our website, peoplespartofcanada.ca. They have all the information. Our platform is over there. They can read it. And, uh, and that platform actually is the foundation of this party. And you can, that's why the next election, if you like that platform, it won't change at the next election. Until we win that battle of ideas, we will always fight for what we believe. So I want to thank you for giving me that opportunity. And if they can know more, they can also write to us at info at peoplespartyofcanada.ca. It can take maybe a couple of days before we answer your email because we have a nice uh, challenge. We received a lot of emails. And that's good. Uh, we like that. So uh, they, they can reach me also on my Twitter account. They can follow me on Twitter, Maxi Bernie. They can also go on our YouTube channel, People's Party of Canada official YouTube channel. I have my, uh, my Max Bernie show over there. Uh, I'm doing interviews also. So there's a lot of information there. And I appreciate that uh, we have the time to have the discussion about the People's Party. Right. And before we get out of here, I have to know who makes your shirts because you wear some of the most outrageous shirts I've ever seen in my life. And I like a good shirt. Yeah. First of all, uh, I, I put that on Instagram a couple of days ago. It's a, a, I have a, a guy in Montreal. Uh, he caught the, um, what's the name? Um, uh, black. Uh, noir. Yeah. The name is in French, Eau Noire, it's like black, Eau Noire, that's a, a corporation based in Quebec. And another one also based in uh, Fredericton, um, uh, Jeff um, Alupa, I believe. 
uh, what I'll do, I'll, I'll tweet about it. And okay. because I have a couple of questions. So these two designers, uh, one in Montreal, one in New Brunswick, are doing shirts like that, that I like. And um, and yes, it's uh, I'm very pleased. Sometimes, you know, you <laughs> like it or not. Uh, that's like that's like our political party. You like it or not. Uh, we don't try to please everybody. If you don't like what I'm seeing, please don't vote for us. It's the same thing with my shirt. You like it or not. <laughs> right. You're going to need to win two seats, one for you and then one for your shirt. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for your time, Maxime. I really do appreciate it. Thank you as well, uh, the audience, for watching another episode of the Launchpad podcast and uh, making sure to dedicate as much time as possible this season to something that I believe is incredibly important, which is freedom of speech and freedom of expression and freedom of choice. Uh, so if those are things that align with you, please subscribe. Just click that button, hit notifications. You take care, be well, and love simply because you can.